The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are they and what is their purpose? Is it something that the church needs today or is this just another operation of the crazy Pentecostals? Let's see what the Bible has to say about this topic in this video. We're going to begin to dive into these nine gifts today and see what the Apostle Paul had to say about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week, we started talking about this and we mentioned that the gifts of the Spirit bring profit when they're in operation. That's what he said in verse 7 of that chapter, that when they're in operation, they bring profit to the body. And if no profit is being brought, then that's a problem not on God's end, not on the Holy Spirit's end, but on our end. Because as far as he's concerned, he wants these things in operation to bring profit, not loss. So if we're not skillful in operating in these things, or if we're ignorant, like the Apostle Paul warned against, then we will have problems in operating in these things. And if we try to operate in these gifts without skill, that's when loss is brought and people will not be able to receive what they need to receive from God. So we as a church have to not pass these things off as a crazy Pentecostal experience or something that will harm your church. But since it's in the word of God, since it's for our use, since it's something that the Holy Spirit has given to us, then we should learn how to cooperate with him when he begins to manifest in these ways. And we shouldn't just throw it to the side and say, you know, I don't need that. We'll leave that to somebody else. We shouldn't do that. Because they're for our benefit. So let's jump back in to chapter 12. And let's start back at verse 1 and see what the Apostle Paul had to say here about this. So watch what he says here in verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good or to profit with all, as a KJV says. Four to one, now watch this, verse eight, he's going to lay out these nine gifts. He says, four to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom or word of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge or the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ab ability to distinguish between spirits or discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one in the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So as we talked about last week, we know that these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit are ways that the Spirit operates when he begins to move. And these things are not just put in place so that we can say, oh, you know, what a great 
mighty demonstration. Oh my gosh, we've seen power. There is a purpose for these things. When we saw these nine gifts operate in the early church, we saw them manifest to confirm the word of God. Because you know, when Jesus, before he left the earth, he told the apostles, he commanded them, gave them the great commission. And in verse 20 of Mark 16, he says that the apostles went forth and they preached the gospel and the Lord confirmed the word with signs following. And many times when we saw that happen, we saw one of these nine gifts come into operation. If somebody got healed, if, if for example, in Acts chapter 16, when the apostle Paul cast the devil out of that slave girl through the discerning of spirits, we see these things come into operation, not just for a show. We see them come into operation to confirm the word of God and point people's attention to Jesus Christ and show people that this word that we preach is not just a tale, is not just a fairy tale, but this is true stuff. And this thing wasn't just in operation back in the olden days. This is something that is still in operation and alive and well today. And through signs, through wonders, through the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that proves the word of God. And it confirms the word of God. And if you've known my ministry, you know I talk about this a lot. We can't just relegate this thing to just talking about the power of God. We can't just sit here and just talk about, oh my God, you know, the word of God says X, Y, Z, A, B, C, or what about the great things that the Lord did in the past? We need to become people who understand that the gospel is not something that is just supposed to be talked about. It's not something where we sit here and we just tell stories in the past. This same power that was at work in the word of God is at work and available to every single person today. And we need to become people who don't just relegate the word of God to something that's just talked about and words on a paper, but is something that can be experienced and demonstrated in this modern day and time. And that is one of the biggest reasons why we can't become people who just throw away the manifestations or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because there is a purpose for that. And it is a purpose that we need to lay hold of. We can't just say, you know, we're going to be able to do it without him. You know, we don't need that stuff. You know, I can do it my way. No, God laid out a blueprint for you for how to run the church, how the church should operate in the book of Acts. And we, as the body of Christ, should stick to that blueprint and not become prideful to think that we can win the loss and bring in a great harvest of souls aside from the blueprint. So this is what, this is the reason why we need to understand how the spirit begins to manifest so that when he does manifest, we can be able to cooperate with him. And when we cooperate with him, profit will be brought. Many souls will be brought into the kingdom of God. That's what we need to understand. So let's jump into what these gifts are, because you see through here, you're like, well, I don't know what the word of wisdom is. I have no idea what the word of knowledge is. I don't know what that is. I think, you know, uh, you know, discerning of spirits is this and is that, but the Bible shows you what these are. And you see very clear examples of these nine gifts throughout scripture. And I want to begin to give you definitions and throw you through the show you through the word of God, what these things are. So we see, or we can put these nine gifts into three categories. So I'm going to deal 
with the first category, which is what we call the revelation gifts. And the revelation gifts help you as a believer to, number one, gain insight into the mind of God and help you as a believer to think like God. When these things go into operation, you get a glimpse into the mind of God and you begin to operate how God's mind operates. And the three gifts that fall into that category are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So let's first start with the word of wisdom. What is this gift called the word of wisdom? This gift is when God's wisdom, the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man, but God's divine wisdom is revealed to you through this gift. And he could give you wisdom on a, cer- on a certain situation, how to deal with something, certain instruction on a certain situation that you would not be able to get with your natural mind. Because you have to understand, the Bible says that there's a wisdom that comes from man and there's a wisdom that comes from God. And there are situations that we could get into that we look at, we could think, you know, oh, I could accomplish this through by doing this. I could accomplish that by doing this. And many times, oh, it's a good idea. It sounds like a great idea. That's the path I should take. But many times we fall into the trap of doing things through human wisdom. We fall into the trap of doing things through what seems wise to the human mind. And just because something seems wise to the human mind doesn't always mean it's the right thing. So many times we have to begin to tap into God's divine wisdom because there's no room for failure in that. There is no room. There's no 50-50 chance of success and failure with God's wisdom. It's always the right way. And in certain cases where our wisdom is limited and comes to an end, and we don't know what to do, God could give us a piece of his wisdom, how to deal with a certain situation, what to do when you get to a crossroads, what do you do when you get to a situation that your human mind and your human wisdom cannot lead you to success in? What do you do? This is when you tap into God's wisdom. So this is what the word of wisdom deals with. Also, the foretelling of future events is found in this gift because God's wisdom knows what's going to happen in the future. So whenever you see people foretelling the future, people saying this and that prophets saying this and this and that, and that's going to happen. When you see it through scripture, that was through the word of wisdom. That gift was in operation. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of this. When you see in the book of Daniel, Daniel predicted the rise and fall of empires. He predicted this one was coming up, this one was going down, X, Y, Z, A, B, C was going to happen here in this empire, and it happened just as he said it. He also talked about the rise of the coming Antichrist. He described it, and he described many events that were getting ready to happen in the end times. Now, how would somebody who lived many thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, how would he be able to accurately depict or accurately predict, sorry, the rise and fall of empires. How would he accurately be able to predict that? Through his human wisdom. It's impossible. It's impossible. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how great you are. I don't care 
how much knowledge you have. You are unable to predict things with that much accuracy and have it come to pass exactly how you said it. Why is that? The reason why is because he tapped into another wisdom. And it was God's wisdom, a piece of God's wisdom that was imparted to Daniel to do that. That's what you have to understand. So there's one example of that. You also see when the Old Testament prophets began to prophesy. And they told about things in the future that were getting ready to come. The coming Messiah, talking about Jesus when he gets ready to come. Foretelling, I know some of the minor prophets foretelling events that were getting ready to happen in the last days. What was that? That wasn't human wisdom at work. That was the wisdom of God at work. That's what you have to understand. And there, there's another example of that gift at work. Here's another example of this gift at work. Go to the book of Matthew. So let's look in verse 15. Once again, we see the Pharisees with their crazy selves trying to pin something to Jesus again and try to accuse him of something, of breaking the law. So they try to trap him here. And in verse 15, watch what happens. Matthew 22, verse 15. Here it says, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you're true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, verse 17, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, verse 18, perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. So watch here. Jesus, through this operation of the Holy Spirit, answered their question and did not fall into their trap because they asked him this question to try trap him and accuse him. Well, you're not rent giving unto Caesar what's his. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? If Jesus said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't give it to that crazy guy. Then, oh, you're trying to cause uprising against Caesar. Oh, what's wrong with you? If he had done that, then there would have been a problem there. But you see how Jesus answered their question. And when he did, they marveled and didn't know what to do with themselves. They're like, mm. they didn't trap him. And he went away from their trap. How was that? Through the operation of the word of wisdom. God, gave, through the Holy Spirit, gave Jesus a piece of his divine wisdom. And gave him instruction and showed him how to deal with that situation, how to answer that situation and that question and that predicament that the crazy Pharisees had put him in. That was through the operation of that manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Some people would have fallen into that trap and it would have been over. It would have been over. You would have had an accusation and a cause to get punished for treason at you. Because, oh, you're going against Caesar? Oh, we got a problem person here, treason. And that was a means to execute somebody at that time. Treason wasn't tolerated. That was an easy way to get executed. And look how Jesus skillfully evaded their trap 
and answered it the right way to the point where they were like, whoa, they were shocked through the word of wisdom. Let me give you another example of this. King Solomon. Also, we see this gift in operation with him. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon comes up and has to settle a dispute between two mothers. And watch what happens in verse 16. It says here, sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began. This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. And three days later, this woman also had a baby. When we were alone, there were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Well, verse 20. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted. It certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the woman said, the living child is mine. And the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, verse 24, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Watch that. Verse 26, he says, then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please don't kill it. But the other woman said, all right, he will, he'll be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live for she is the mother. When all of Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. So watch that there. We see this gift in operation in this story too. When he had to settle a dispute between two mothers trying to figure out whose baby was who, they're both saying, it's mine, it's mine. And human wisdom would tell you, well, we don't know. I don't know who the mother is. You know, I, I don't know. Run a paternity test or something. I don't know. <laughs> Run a DNA test. I don't know who the mother is. But look when God's wisdom goes into operation here. Solomon says, okay, give me a sword. Let's cut the baby in half. One of you can get one half. The other one can get another half. And the one who was the actual mother is not going to let that baby get cut in half and take half. She said, just give it to the other lady. Give it to the other lady I would rather have that happen than you kill the baby and give me half. Give it to the other lady. Don't do that. And that's when Solomon knew that's the real mother. The other lady didn't care. She said, all right, give me half. I don't care. Give me half. Do it. And Solomon said, nope. The lady who cried out and wants him to live is the real mother. Give the baby to her. And the Bible says that all of Israel marveled because of the wisdom that God had given him. There's word of wisdom in operation again. That was a situation that human wisdom would not have been able to get you through. Human wisdom would have stopped at that point because I don't know. But God's wisdom went into operation through the Holy Spirit. And Solomon rightly rendered justice through that gift of the Spirit. So you see there, through those couple examples, 
this gift in operation. And understand something. I should have said this at the beginning, but understand something. That these gifts operate in a supernatural way. So understand, when word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, all those gifts go into operation. This cannot be confused with human wisdom. This is something that you could not have gotten with your natural mind. This is something, a piece of wisdom that you could not have gotten by thinking hard enough. With word of knowledge, as we're getting ready to talk about, that was not something that you would have been able to pick up and catch with your natural mind. It was something that the Holy Spirit had to give to you. And this is what we talked about in the last video, that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is something that is not going to happen through human means. It's not something that can be dismissed or passed off or confused with something that could have came from a human. It is a definite supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power. That's what I want you to understand. Let's go over to the next gift, the word of knowledge. Let's move quickly. The word of knowledge. So this gift deals with a piece of knowledge that the spirit reveals to you regarding past or present events. Remember what I told you, word of wisdom deals with future events. Word of knowledge deals with either past or present events. And through the Holy Spirit, he deposits a piece of knowledge or reveals to you a piece of knowledge about an event that had happened in either the past or present. And this knowledge could not have been known to the person before the spirit revealed it to them. Understand that you, if you've ever been in a church service before, where a preacher who operates in the gifts of the spirit, calls somebody out and says, Back 20 years ago, you had X, Y, Z, A, B, Z happen to you and it's caused this and this and that and that. And God is healing you of this or God is delivering you from this. God is going to restore this to you, X, Y, Z. Up until that point, that preacher didn't know that person. That preacher had no idea who that person was, but called them out and read their whole entire mailbox. How was that? Your natural mind couldn't have picked that up. The preacher wouldn't have been able to do that with their natural mind. It was through the operation of the word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit revealed a piece of knowledge regarding past and present events to the preacher for the sake of that person's profit. It wasn't just so people could look at this person and say, oh my God, what a great preacher. And that person's so supernatural. Oh my God, he's a wonder. No, 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 no. There is a reason why God reveals these things. So, that is the word of knowledge in operation. And as I said, the person would have not been able to know that information by natural means. They would have not been able to pick it up with their natural mind. Nothing in the natural would have been able to let that person know. But this had happened by way of the Holy Spirit. All right. And understand something. This is a piece of God's infinite knowledge. God does not deposit to you all of his knowledge. If that was the case, you would be God. Just like with word of wisdom, God doesn't deposit to you all of his wisdom. Then you would be God. It is a piece of his divine and infinite knowledge. Also, when this gift is in operation, this is not a guessing game. When that gift is in operation, when you begin to operate in that gift, it comes with a knowing. If I know naturally my first name is Marlon, I know that. I'm not guessing. That my first name is Marlon. When God drops a piece of his knowledge into your spirit and that gift goes into operation, it comes with a knowing. 
Understand that. It comes with annoying. It doesn't come with, you know, I think your natural mind may say, you know, no, 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 no. but in your spirit, it's annoying. Just as you know your first name is your first name. Just as you know who your mother and your father is. That's what it comes with. Word of knowledge, all right? Again, let me give you an example of this. We see this in 2 Kings chapter 5 with the prophet Elisha. And for the sake of reading the whole story, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's an example. You can read it in 2 Kings 5 verse 20 to 27. When Elisha got Naaman healed of his sickness, Naaman, when he got healed, wanted to give Elisha money. He wanted to bless him and give him money and Elisha wouldn't take it. But Elisha had a servant named Gehazi and Gehazi got greedy. What you mean you ain't taking that money? What's wrong with you? So Gehazi thought he was slick and thought he was smart. And after Naaman left, after Elijah left, he ran after Naaman. And he ran after Naaman and basically tried to get Naaman to give him the money. And of course, Naaman said, go ahead, take it. Here, take it. It's yours. And Gehazi, with his greedy self, took the money. And I believe there was clothing too. He took the money and the clothing. And he thought he was slick. Elisha wouldn't know. Nobody would know. It's mine now. When he got back, the Bible tells you that Elijah asked him, hold on, where you been? Oh, nowhere. I wasn't anywhere, Elisha. He said, what are you talking about? Did you not know my spirit went with you when you went to Naaman? And your greedy self, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but your greedy self took XYZABC from him and I knew it happened. My spirit went with you when you took it. So therefore, because of your greed, leprosy is coming on you. And the Bible tells you that he caught leprosy and he turned white as snow. And he got judged for that, for his greed. How did Elisha know? Elisha wasn't with him. Elijah wasn't around the corner watching it. He didn't say, I naturally actually went with you. He said, my spirit went with you. That was word of knowledge in operation. Because Elijah, even though he was not physically there, he knew inside of his spirit, he went, he ran after Naaman, he was greedy, and he took the money and the clothing from him. And when he came back, that's what exactly happened. And he told him that's what happened, and he got judged for his sin. That was the word of knowledge in operation. Let me give you more examples of this. When you see Jesus in the, with the woman at the well, when he told her all about her life, Told her about her, how many men she had been with. She had X, Y, Z amount of husbands. And the man she's living with right now ain't her husband. Never met that woman before. That was the first time he met her. And she was shocked. And she ran back to the city to tell everybody, there's a man that told me everything about my life. Told me everything I have ever done. That was through the word of knowledge. A piece of God's knowledge was deposited. You couldn't have naturally known that. But God's infinite knowledge. He knows everything. He deposited that knowledge. Here's another example, Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira came and they had brought money from a property that they had sold and they laid it at, people were doing that, they laid it at the apostle Peter's feet and they came and thought they were slick and said, you know what, hey, we're going to keep part of it for ourselves. Yeah, we ain't going to do that, we're going to keep part of it for ourselves and they didn't put the full amount there. So they had plotted it before they came and first Ananias came and put down the full amount of money 
at Peter's feet. And Peter said, is this the full amount? Yes, sir. It's the full amount. He's lying. Understand that. He's lying. And what happened? When he did that, Peter said, excuse me. Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? This ain't the full amount of money. And long story short, Ananias dropped dead. Right there. And they carried him out to bury him. And the Bible says, I think it was about three hours later, then Sapphira walks in, not knowing what had happened to Ananias, but before they had plotted what they were going to do. And she shows up. And when she shows up, the same thing happens. Peter's like, is this the full amount of money? And she says, yes, this is, this is the full amount that we received for selling our land. She's holding back some, remember that. And she's lying. Peter says, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. Why did the both of you guys even think that you could get away with this, lying to the Holy Spirit? And he says, now the same people that carried out your husband are coming back and they're getting ready to carry you out. <laughs> Boom, she drops dead right there. And as soon as the guys that buried Ananias came back from burying him, they see her dead on the floor and they carried her out to bury her. And the Bible says because of that, fear came heavily down on the church. Now, how did that happen? The apostle Peter wasn't there with them. He didn't know what had happened beforehand through the operation of the word of knowledge, God's infinite knowledge, a piece of God's infinite knowledge. He had seen them when they were plotting. He had seen when they sold the land. And they came with the intention of lying to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost revealed to Peter that this is not the full amount. They lied. They conspired. And sadly, they got judged for that. They got judged for that. That's the word of knowledge in operation again. Let me give you an, a personal example of this. I told you a story last week about how I was in a service preaching. I'm not going to tell it again, but I was in a service preaching. And I called a girl out and told her that there was a longstanding issue in her family and it hadn't been solved, but God was getting ready to solve it that night. And she told me a week later that they had been having problems selling their house. And as soon as she had got that word, that week, everything that was holding up stopped being held up and they sold the house and they were getting ready to move into a new house. What was that? I didn't, I didn't know her like that. I didn't know her. She had never told me that. I didn't know up until that point. She didn't tell me anything. That was through the Holy Spirit. I had no idea what she was going through. I had no idea what she was dealing with. But through the operation of the word of knowledge, profit was brought to that girl and her family. Now, let me give you another example of this. That was the gist of that story. But I remember there was another time. This was before I actually had went into the ministry. And this was the first time I can trace this gift back to operating in my life personally through the Holy Spirit. But I remember one time I was on the phone with somebody. And I'd gone out somewhere, this was a couple years ago, I'd gone out somewhere and that person had to come pick me up from that place. And I was on the phone with that person and they were late in coming to pick me up. And I was like, where, you know, where are you? Where are you at? And the person was like, oh, you know, well, I got caught up X, Y, Z, A, B, C, but I'm on my way. I'm a little bit away. And I was about, and I went to say, okay. And as soon as I went to say, okay, it was like just something dropped on the inside of me and instantly I knew where exactly the person was and what the person was doing at that moment. And let me tell you something, that person wasn't in a good place. That person was with somebody they shouldn't have been with and they're engaging in activity that they shouldn't have been engaging with. And just instantly when they had said that, it just dropped on the inside of me and in my spirit, I knew it. Like I knew my first name, I knew where they were, what they were doing. 
clear as day. That was the word of knowledge in operation once again. And you have to understand, I couldn't have known that naturally. I wasn't with the person. I had no idea where they had went. They just had to come pick me up. And when they had told me that they're XYZ place, they weren't. That was a word of knowledge in operation again. God's infinite knowledge being dropped. A piece of God's infinite knowledge being deposited on the inside. That's what, that's what I want you to understand. So that's the word of knowledge. Let's get into the last gift. The last of the revelation gifts. This is, and this I think is a very important gift. The discerning of spirits. Understand that. The discerning of spirits. What is this gift? It is the divine ability to know what spirit motivates a person to do something. So uh, with this gift, you can know whether a person is operating or doing something by way of God's spirit, by way of their own spirit, or through a demonic spirit. So many times when somebody's getting ready to cast out a devil and you pick up, this person is not doing this because of X, Y, Z, A, B, Z. This person is doing this because they're possessed of the devil. This person is not just acting a fool or acting crazy because that's what their mind is telling them to do. They're acting a fool because they're demonized. What is that? You couldn't have known that naturally. You could not have known that by natural means. But through the Holy Spirit and through the operation of the discerning of spirits, you discerned and you picked up the spirit that was behind that person's actions. I want you to understand that. That this gift, when you pick up that somebody is doing something in the flesh, like I'll, I'll give you an example of this in a little bit, but you can discern human spirits, God's spirit, and demonic spirits through this gift. Because many people relegate this gift to the demon buster gift. Oh, you know, there's a demon over there. There's a devil over here. There's a devil back there. There's a devil right behind you. And they turn it into a gift of discerning of demons. That's not what this gift is about. Even though that is a part of this gift. You don't just discern demons. Okay, when this gift goes into operation by way of the spirit, you're not just discerning demons. Whenever somebody sees an angel, when somebody senses the presence of an angel, that's discerning of spirits in operation. Because naturally, your natural senses can't pick that up. They can't pick it up regularly. They can't pick that up. But when you sense the presence of an angel, when you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, when you sense the presence of God, or you sense that God is here, God is here, Jesus is here, Jesus is, she, he walked into my room. You know, you hear stories like that. That is discerning of spirits in operation. Also, when you pick up the presence of an evil spirit, discerning of spirits in operation, there's a story that Smith Wigglesworth told one time, how he was preaching a extended revival meeting, and he had took a break in between meetings to go take a nap. And when he went back to his room, he went to sleep. As soon as he dozed off, he woke up and felt an evil presence in his room. And he turned around, he was facing one way, and he felt you know, the presence come into his room and it woke him up. And when he turned over and looked, he said he saw Satan in manifested form in his room. That happened through the discerning of spirits. Because your natural senses, baseline, can't pick up evil spirits. They can't pick up God's spirit. They can't pick those things up. Because they're operating in the spiritual realm. Your natural senses can't do that. So through the discerning of spirits, 
he picked that up. And so that's that gift and operation too. So understand, it's not the discerning of demons primarily. It's the discerning of God's spirit, the human spirit, and demonic spirits. One of those three things. And understand, this gift does not happen in the mind. This is not the gift of suspicion. Because people say, you know, I got discernment. And I discerned her. And she was, I don't like her. And she, no, 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 no. Not discernment, not suspicion where you're looking at somebody sideways because you don't like that. And I think something is wrong with her. I, I know about her. I know about him. No, 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 no. Not the gift of suspicion where you're walking around looking at everybody sideways. The gift of discerning of spirits. And as I said, it comes by the Holy Spirit. It comes with a knowing. You're not thinking like, you know, maybe da-da-da-da. As I said, your mind might do that. But you got to clear in your spirit that that person is motivated by the devil. Or that person is full of the Holy Spirit. Or that person is just straight up operating out of their flesh. That is through the discerning of spirits. And as I said, this gift is not just negative. You're not just picking up negative things. Somebody's operating by the flesh in a wrong way. Somebody's operating by a demon. This gift could work in the positive too. We see this in the book of John. John chapter 1. I'm not going to read the whole story. But when Jesus was picking out his first disciples. And Philip went and got Nathaniel. Jesus had never met Nathaniel before. Never knew who Nathaniel was. But Philip went and said, oh my gosh, look, you got to see this guy. And he went and got Nathaniel. And as Nathaniel was coming to Jesus, Jesus said, hey, look. There's a true son of Israel. Here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. That's what he said. How did he know that? He discerned his spirit. He picked up his spirit that this guy was not operating out of a wrong spirit. He wasn't operating out of his flesh. This guy was operating by the right spirit. And this guy is a genuine son of Israel. And when he said that, Nathaniel was like, how do you know me? What, how do you know that about me? He was like, wait, how do you know that? He didn't know Jesus. Jesus didn't know him. And it shocked him when Jesus said that. How do you know that about me? Jesus discerned his spirit through that gift of the spirit. That's what I want you to see. Here's another. Here's a couple more examples of this through scripture. Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. That's another example of that. And as I mentioned earlier in Acts chapter 16, when the girl with the spirit of divination came, and she was following behind Paul and Silas and saying, these men are servants of the most high God. They show you the way of salvation. Okay, what she said was not wrong. What she said wasn't wrong. What she said was right. But she wasn't doing it by the right spirit. Understand that. She wasn't doing it by the right spirit. And many people become duped because somebody can say all the right things. Somebody can say everything that's right. But the spirit that's motivating them ain't right. That's how people could get up and that's how preachers could get up and say, hallelujah, praise you, the Lord, glory to God. And they can say everything that's right. But the spirit that's motivating them, the motivating factor is wrong. And you can't pick that up in your natural mind because your natural mind will be like, they're saying all the right things. And while you might get suspicious naturally, you have no grounds. But when the gift of discerning of spirits goes into operation, there's a knowing. And you know the exact spirit that's motivating that person, whether it be the spirit of God or whether it be a wrong spirit. This is the thing. And this is why we need these gifts operating in the church. 
especially now, because all these people that are fly by nights and are coming and saying the right thing, but are full of a wrong spirit, they get found out easily. They'd get found out easily. I've heard so many stories of preachers that guest preachers come into their churches and somebody may get up to take the mic, somebody gets up to sing. And as soon as they see them, they said, nope, that person's spirit ain't right. That person is doing X, Y, Z, A, B, C. They're wrong. And watch that person. That person's going to jack up your finances. I heard a preacher tell a story one time how I guess one of the, he was at a pastor's church and one of the pastor's financial guys that dealt with the finances came in. And as soon as this preacher saw him, he told the pastor, he said, watch that guy. That person's going to mess up your finances. And the pastor was like, ah, nah, nah, that ain't the case. You know, that's not gonna happen. I've known that guy forever. Months, a year later, it comes out. The guy was embezzling money. The guy was stealing money and nearly tore up the church. How did that happen? Naturally, you wouldn't have known. He didn't come in with a handful of cash in his hand and looking all suspicious. It was through the discerning of spirits. That's what I want you to understand. And this is why I say these gifts... We only got over the revelation gifts today. There's two more categories of gifts, six more gifts. But you can see just through these three gifts that we talked about today, these three manifestations, the need for these manifestations in the church, the need for them. God put them in place for a specific person and the body of Christ should not throw them out the window and say, I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Receive it. And become skillful in operating in these things so that profit can be brought. So that fly-by-nights cannot have way to come into the body and come into the church and mess with the church. So that people who are actually motivated by the Holy Spirit, people who are anointed of God, can use those giftings and be used to profit and help the body. This is what we need. This is why we need these gifts. We shouldn't be operating our churches out of the flesh and out of our mind and out of good, you know, good procedures that we thought of. We should be doing this by way of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be doing it out of our flesh and out of our mind. By way of the Holy Spirit and be able to cooperate with him skillfully when he begins to manifest in these ways. Amen? This is why we need the gifts of the Spirit. So we're going to get into the other six in the coming videos. There, there's a lot we could say, but this video would be 10 hours long if we covered all nine today. So we only covered three. But thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank God for the gifts. And become a person who doesn't throw them away, as I said, but become a person who lets them operate, who doesn't forbid them, but lets the Holy Spirit manifest in these ways in your church so that profit can be brought in Jesus' name. Now, I want to give every single person an opportunity to receive Christ who hasn't. Because as we've been talking about through this whole series on the Holy Spirit, the way you become a candidate to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to operate, in these things, the way God intends for it, to be able to cooperate with the Holy Spirit when he begins to move, is that you have to be saved. You have to be a believer. Because if you're unsaved and you try operating these things, problem, problem, problem. You have to be a pure and holy vessel. You have to be somebody who has been washed in the blood of Jesus, who has been cleansed of all unrighteousness, who has confessed your sins and confessed Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the first thing you have to do before you even think about operating in these things.
So I want to give you that opportunity to receive Christ right now. Because he's coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. As I said, all these things are in operation today. And all these things need to be in operation so that the word of God can be confirmed and people can be brought into the kingdom of God. And that needs to happen to you too. Because Jesus is coming soon. Time is wrapping up. Things are getting ready to head towards the tribulation period. There is nothing. That is holding back the return of Christ. There is nothing that's holding back the rapture of the church, which is the next prophetic event that's getting ready to happen. Don't be left behind. Do not hear the word of God. Don't see things that are happening in the world and turn a blind eye and say, I'll put it off until tomorrow. I don't need it today. I want to live my life for a couple more days. Don't do that. Time is running out and the return of the Lord is imminent. Nothing is holding it back. So take the opportunity that you have today to receive Christ. Let him cleanse you of your sins. Put away sin once and for all before it destroys you and receive Christ as Savior. And the Bible tells you that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. If you confess your sins, you believe in Jesus Christ, believe that he came to earth, died and rose again for your sins and gave you power over sin, guess what? You believe that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, the Bible tells you you'll be saved. So let me give you an opportunity to do that today. If you've come on this video and you fall into that category and there's sin in your life that you need to repent of and get rid of, let's make things right with God today and begin to walk on the path of righteousness. I want you to pray with me. And I want you to say, Heavenly Father, say this sincerely from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to sacrifice his life for my sin. I believe that he died and was raised back to life for me. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now I receive the power to live holy until you return. I'm no longer a sinner, but I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you just prayed with me and responded to God's call for salvation, I want you to now take the next step. I want to help you to begin to walk on this path of righteousness. Many people get to the point where they feel like, okay, I just got saved, but what do I do next? I want to help you with that. There's a link in the description that will take you to a page on my website, and I want you to fill out the form there. And when you fill out that form, I'll send you some resources that will help you begin to walk on this path of righteousness and begin your walk with Christ. You don't have to walk this path alone. You have the help of the Holy Spirit and now you also have my help. So I want to send you resources, I want to pray for you, and I want to help you to become a strong believer. So go ahead and click the link now. God has made a way for his children to be totally liberated from the power of sin. But many Christians don't understand this. In Marlon Benjamin's book, Undefiled, he teaches that Christ put an end to sin's control and gave us the ability to resist all its temptations when they come. Order your copy now on Amazon or MarlonBenjamin.net. What's up, everybody? It's Marlon Benjamin, and I want to challenge you to consider becoming a partner with this ministry today. You know, our partners commit to praying for us continuously, and they connect their finances to this ministry on a monthly basis. You know, God has allowed us to preach some powerful services over this past year, and we have seen God demonstrate his power in mighty ways, and we have seen people get saved and come into the kingdom of God. We've also been able to expand the reach of the gospel through YouTube, the podcast, 
and I'm saved, now what? Which helps us connect to those who are being saved through our online ministry and get them on the path of righteousness and help them begin their walk with Christ. We last year, we just connected ourselves and became partners with Lester Sumrall's Feed the Hungry. And we are providing meals to those who are in need on a monthly basis. So I want you to consider, perfectly consider, becoming a partner of this ministry today. You can click the link in the description or go to marlinbenjamin.net, hit the Give Now page, and go to the partnership page. And you can see what we're doing and become a partner today. Thank you so much and God bless you.